And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsi, oh, damn it. episode 92 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. And I'm Brian. Hey guys, how hey. you doing? Howdy. Good. Doing good. We're doing. We're doing. That's how we're, we're doing. doing. Yeah. I know what we just did. Yeah, wait, you made it sound weird. We just got off the phone with Magdalene Visaccio. Indeed. Yeah, that was, that was super cool. Pretty spectacular. I did, yeah. I did enjoy that a lot. Yeah, that was a great conversation and a lot of fun and you'll hear it in 30 to 45 minutes if we first this we're correctly. gonna talk first <laughs> the boring parts oh hopefully not no no i hope not okay they they haven't listened to 92 episodes if, if this was like super boring to them <laughs> every episode is someone's first episode uh, fair enough you're not wrong Man. welcome all you people who this is your first episode <laughs> i hope you're ready for this oh boy here we go oh boy you don't know what you're in for we already been going an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so everyone have a good week? Yeah. Yeah, started going to the gym. Yeah. Again. I need to do Busted that. my ass. Probably literally. Literally or metaphorically? Probably literally, because okay. I did bend down to pick off a dead leaf off of a plant the other day, and then I couldn't get back up, because <laughs> my butt hurt so bad. <laughs> I'm going to completely let that one go. <laughs> It hurt, all right? I had a sore ass. My I ass was sore. I understand. It was a little butt hurt. Yeah, butt hurt. You had a big belief, huh? <laughs> yeah, I got a little butt hurt. You uh, didn't remember that you had hired Shiara Hall as your personal trainer? I didn't. I didn't remember that. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, ouch. So do we just want to jump right into comics or do we want to keep going down? That's oh, a conversation. I know Jin's butt. We could keep talking about my butt. That's fine. There's plenty of it to talk about. So uh, We do not want to go down that hole. So. <laughs> oh, nope, nope. Now we're moving on. Thank you, Brian. So I, knew, what, just, I knew that would end it. <laughs> so, read a bunch of good books this week. Yeah, her, her, I, uh, her. I'm uh, on the fly. Gonna switch our first book because I feel like Chip Starsky would be cooler with that segue. <laughs> Do it. So Marvel two and one number one. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Marvel two and one number two. Yeah, I was about to say. Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> I goofed that. Wibbly wobbly number one thing. There are lots of numbers in there. Is it one plus one plus two plus one or one plus two plus two plus one? It's the fate of the four. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so uh, <clears throat> as far as I am concerned, mm-hmm. Chip Starsky. Can write Benjamin J. Grimm, all blue eyes from now until the end of time. Yes. <laughs> because this is like the best version of Ben's voice I think I've ever read in a comic. We're just not going to have Alicia uh, sculpt his blue eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Poor dumb Ben. Oh my God, Ben's He's idiot. there posing and she's, she's touching his face and carving the stone and touching his face and carving the stone. And you see the finish. And it looks it, like, it looks like you're in a sculpture park that are just six Ben yeah. Grimm's standing around her apartment. And, and they're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, you know, you should do me in color sometime. And he's like, She's like, I don't work much in color. <laughs> oh, 
He's like, oh, I, I forget. These are so good that I forget that that's a problem. <laughs> oh, poor dummy. Dumb and sweet. And he's Ben Grimm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's literally the big Rocky teddy bear. Like, <laughs> he's, trying to, he's trying to be everybody's foundation and uh-huh. just making his own life kind of sad in the process. Oh. Well, now I don't want to read these books. Oh, it's so good. But it's it sounds so depressing. Good. It, it, say it isn't. Say it isn't. Go ahead. Say it. Go it's ahead. not. Fuh. Fuh. It, it, it will it, not it, have been once all is said and done. Yeah, I was going to say, at some point it will not be. Acceptable. This is this is where it's setting up. And it that is kind of a little bit depressing. And yeah. that's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it starts from a place that's all about loss and missing family. Mm-hmm. And, right. You know, uh, uh losing the desire to go out into the world and explore and live and all that because you can't do it with the people you used to. Mm. So and trying to find that again. Trying to find that, they go back to where it all started. For, yes. Right. And they also reset Marvel's timeline. <laughs> oh, I didn't think about it, but I guess yeah. they did, yeah. Um, so now Reed Richards and Ben Grimm and Victor Victor were in college together in 1998. Okay. Yep. Which pretty much fits, but they they were in college in '98. Yeah, that okay. tracks. Yeah. It was time for an update. And Vic was an asshole then too. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> oh, but but Reed and Ben got theirs. Yeah, they got there so beautifully. I don't know. I, maybe maybe you could say Vic was a bit of a doofus. <laughs> you could say that. I was trying not to, but you could. Damn it, Brian. Uh, I love this book so much. Jim Chung's art in this is beautiful. What did you think? Oh, I, yeah, I think it's fantastic. I, I love... <laughs> I, actually, believe it, I, I'm sure subconsciously it wasn't, but consciously that was totally not on purpose. Um, yeah. They... Um, I do love the positions that that he's got these characters put into. Yes. Specifically Ben and Victor. Yeah. Yeah. And not only does he do that, like this is all so grounded in character and personality, mm-hmm. but it does what Fantastic Four books have to do. It does what, if a Fantastic Four movie would do, it would actually be successful. <laughs> And takes that and turns around and contextualizes it in big, goofy, dumb adventure. Like They go to Monster Island mm-hmm. and settle a political argument between <laughs> Mole Man and one of the monsters created in Monsters Unleashed. <laughs> nice. They're debating who gets to rule this island. Okie dokie. And yeah. you might can guess how that goes when Doob shows up. <laughs> Goo-gam. Goo-gam. Goo-gam is the other. Oh. Big paws, huh? We said the dog's activation word. <laughs> Goo-gam. Goo-gam. Didn't work. <laughs> well, they've already been activated now. Oh, all right. <laughs> Goo-gam. <laughs> they hate my cat a lot. Um, poor thing. Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> I said, um, K-Pasa? Uh... So yeah, this is a great book. If you're not reading this, there are only two issues out, Jen. You should go ahead and mm-hmm. catch up on it. <laughs> yes, now before there are 15 of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
It is really good, though. <laughs> yeah. And so, do you think they'll find Reed and Sue and the kids before it's all said and done, Brian? I will commit to, I think, at least part of that statement will definitely be true. I don't know Ooh. how much of it. How's that? So Sounds find... like a cop-out to me. but nope. So they'll find parts of Reed I... and Sue and the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. And then the really long middle finger, one Frankenstein's monster. <laughs> no, I, I don't know, and I don't, I don't know if they're all going to come back together, or if the kids will come back separately from Reed and Sue, and those will be two at two yeah. different points in time. I mean, I'm still not convinced that Valerie Victor isn't Valeria. So, well, yeah, we'll find out because Valerie sounds like Valeria, and who's her godfather? Doom Victor. Yeah. I'm just saying. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, Alex, it's too obvious. I mean, it is too obvious. It probably won't be the case, but... <laughs> Maybe. It's not impossible. It, yeah, no. It's not the only thing that got set up, in, but turned out to be obvious. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, good, good book. Hey, Jen. Hey. Hi, how are you? <laughs> Habit number one. Man, okay, let me start by saying... I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna read this book just because I wanted to wait for it to be in trade. But it's Saladin Ahmed and now I need them all. Backlogger. You suck. You suck, Alex. You suck. Um this is a book about mm, I don't really know exactly what it's about yet. Did you say it's a story about a girl? No, it's about a woman. Thank you. Good answer. Um it is about a news reporter, a, a newspaper reporter, in Detroit in sort of... The early 70s. Yeah. Right as the the whole... Right as racial tensions were just starting to soar. Um, and I don't... I really don't know what it's going to be about. Because I, I chose not to read the solicitations on this one because i was like well i'm gonna read the book anyway it's fine the solicitations for this have been good not to give actually a whole whole lot away okay well then there's this weird dark magic some kind of oddness going on things are eating half of horses and people yeah and you just don't know there is a tie between elena abbott and this magic through her former lover lover husband one of the two yeah yeah um it's really fucking good. Like, I can't do it justice just telling you about it. Because it is... It has those really awkward moments. And then it's really funny. And then it's super weird. And it's just good. Yeah. Well, it does a really good job of layering all those things and making it all feel natural. Yeah. Even though, like, a lot of it's about racial tension. Yeah. And Saladin Ahmed has said in interviews that this is not a book about that. But it also... Can't not obviously be there given right the time and the place and yeah it never feels preachy or over their head it's just a fact of this world right and it's one facet of this story but there's more to it than just that it's not any one thing it's not just a investigative journalist story it's not just a magic story it's not just a social commentary story it's kind of all these things in one yeah cohesive bundle it's a snapshot of this shit happening yeah. And it's beautiful. It's so pretty. It is it's, so it's very uh, pretty. Sammy Cavella, I think is how you say 
is, is how you pronounce it. There's a double dot over the A, and I don't actually know what that does, because I only ever took Romance languages and Japanese. Oh, it's a umlaut, which is German usually. Oh, yeah. I guess that yeah. is an umlaut, isn't it? I don't know what it does over an A. But I don't either. Kivela, and the colorist is Jason Wardy. And the colors in here are... You, I don't know if you've looked at any of them. I haven't. But you're welcome to look and flip through. Yeah, those colors are pretty damn spectacular. Um, and she's such a badass. Have we said she that yet? Is, she's like, she, she walks in and she just owns the room. Although she does have this like sort of mentality of, mm. of like a little old man, though. Oh, she's a grumpy old <laughs> she's, reporter. She, like, she's the people she's spent her life hanging around. Right, yeah. Yeah, she goes home every night and has two brandies and... But only ever two. Only two. She goes to her bar and she has one, and then she goes home and she has the other while she listens to some... Was it Coltrane she had? It was some Coltrane. I was like, yeah, girl. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Hell yeah. I like it. Um, this is the first part of a five-issue miniseries. Yeah. And... Looks like I, it's Boom Studios? Yes. Stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was already on the Saladina <laughs> Med train, but this only this only confirms for right. me. That... And and these are a lot of things that like I don't try I don't really get interested in in comics. Like I don't like detective stories in comics that much. Um like real cop detective stories, yeah. not yeah. like mask vigilante detective stories because yeah. that's what they all are. Um Yeah. But and this Brubaker's one, Brubaker's career, not is the same. Brubaker, well, yeah, right. Brubaker's different. He's his own but this genre. Is, this is on the same level as that, though. I was going to say this Which does is, some similar things. It right. blends genres in those ways. Right. Which is why it's so damn good. Um, yeah. And because Saladin Ahmed wrote it, I'm going to stop now. Yeah. It's really good. And if you are interested in any of those types of things at all, I say go pick it up. Yes. Uh, I know some comic shops still have copies of it. It is sold out at the distributor. It is getting a second printing. Cool. cool so cool. if you can't get it today, but you want to read it, just go ahead and go ahead and reserve a copy. Go ahead and ask your comic shop to yeah to hold one for you when they get more in. It's very good. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay, Brian. Yeah. How was the end of Sherlock Frankenstein and the Legion of Evil? Oh, uh, yeah. This was uh, so. Mm-hmm. This was a four-issue limited series, and this was issue number four of it. So this wraps up this story. Um, if you enjoy Black Hammer at all, you absolutely must read this. <laughs> this ser- I mean, like it, it. There's so much additional. It, it's one of those things that like. I say you have to read it. You really don't. You can you can understand Black Hammer and enjoy Black Hammer and do that. But like this gives you so much more to this world and fleshes it out so much more. And I get the sense. And we talked about this before we started recording. I get the sense though that you could kind of think of this like maybe the Magnolia verse. Yeah. Where you could jump in or you could skip around. You could just read the Black Hammer stuff. You could. You could but, just read this stuff. But but it, in this sort of persistent way, mm-hmm. if you read it all, it all connects. And it's all the same author, the same writer yeah. behind everything. And it's all one continuous world. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's, kind of, it's almost like reading um, different arcs of this kind of the same story. Yeah. In a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in this case, uh, the uh, the characters change too because this is all about the villains, yeah, right, and somebody investigating kind of and telling. It's really more about the history of the villains than about you know kind of them themselves. But oh, so so good. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it's really, it's not much spoiler that uh, uh, basically Black Hammer's daughter is going, trying to find out what happened to all of these heroes. Mm. Right. And so she thinks one of the ways maybe she can find some information is to go find basically the greatest villain that they all fought. And maybe he's got some ideas and that villain Sherlock is Sherlock Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Right. And <laughs> so this, the, this four issue series is about her going and kind of going through steps to track him down through other different villains. Uh, and you know, finally this issue now she, she confronts Sherlock Frankenstein and has a conversation with him and it's so good. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know what else? Kind of came to a conclusion this week. Not a full stop, but mm. tied up several story arcs. Detective Comics. Yeah, so uh, remember when I said there was another book this week that kind of set something up that looked like it was going to be too obvious? But no, it looks like they uh, yeah. they went ahead and just pulled the trigger on that. <laughs> yeah, so this You're is... You dork. <laughs> this is really bringing to a head and... Turning, you know, really the, in, the 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 final chapter on everything that's been going on in the Belfry and yeah. Team Batman and this big concerted effort to work together and bring in new people and make something bigger. Yes, um, we had the the sort of prophecies about Kate Kane will do something to send Tim off the deep end, mm-hmm. and we see probably what that thing is. We do. Hmm. Um, as always, Cassandra Cade gets the best moments. Heartbreaking, just heartbreaking. Uh, I like you, you. You really feel for Tim in this too. This, you yeah. see, this issue starts with the very beginning. It starts with Batman and Tim in the Belfry before the team comes together. Batman has not recruited anyone. It's just the two of them. It's. I think the most striking thing about this issue for me was actually that scene because this is the most like two peers i've ever seen bruce and Ben-tent. another t- a member of the family yeah you might be right like there's no talking down like he's your son like there is tonight wing there's no mm-hmm. you know he is your son with damien there's none of the uh, put your guns away jason it's the <laughs> two of them like quit shooting people brains you'll put your eye out with that thing i need like some kind of so Don't wait, bring your guns to town. So, so wait, wait. Are you telling? Thing. Are you telling me that Red Hood uses a Red Rider BB gun? <laughs> yes, I am. Um, of course, both of those Bs stand for bat. Of course, I do. <laughs> uh, but like, it's Tim getting super excited with all these ideas, and he's so passionate, and it is infectious to Bruce, and he starts getting excited, and it's this moment that you almost never get to see. And then it cuts to literally the world is collapsing around them. So yeah. for a second you can, Batman is acting his age. Yeah. Like for a second, <laughs> these are instead of acting like he's a 70 year old man. Yeah. who's seen all the world. Like mm-hmm. for a second, these are two coworkers who've just had the breakthrough on the th- project. The thing. Yeah. Nice. It's short lived. <laughs> like, yeah, I love like, like literally, well, you like literally said Batman. The yeah. turn of a page. Yes, <laughs> I sound very. Down, I sound down because it is so sad. It's it's a very good book. I I love this so much. It's like, and here's the thing. Although we've kind of been told, quote, what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? Clearly, I don't think we know what the fallout of this is going to be. It could go in yeah. so many different directions from well, here. 
and looking back to the last issue, I have to wonder, and I truly, I don't know, but I have to wonder how much of this is Kate's father intentionally manipulating, putting, putting the tools in people's hands to bring their own downfall, and how much of it is just misguided on his part? How much of it is him trying but screwing up? Yeah. Is he the villain or is he tragic? Right. I don't know the answer, and I love that I don't know the answer. Uh, I, you know what? And if they're really smart, we won't ever get a completely clear answer on that. Or at least not for a while. Yeah, not until, yeah. like, Tynan's ready to run. Right, yeah, run. right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this could easily be one of those things that, like, this just continues and like mm-hmm. this. And then, like, his last, Tynan's last story when he's ready to leave is that we find out, yeah, he's been doing this intentionally all along. Like, he yeah. is the big bad from, yeah. Yeah. Oh. That's great. It is. Good stuff. Good stuff. Ooh, I read another book. You did. You did. (laughs) Tell me about Redneck number nine. Man, yeah, I read another book. God dang. Um, So in this one, we we get to see like a bit of the fallout of what Landry has done. Is anybody else reading this book but me? I'm in trade. Yeah, trade. Okay, fuck. Come on, guys. Get it. Um, In trade. (laughs) Yeah. It's really good reading them all together. We, uh, but still. Didn't we last week talk uh, Brit into buying a copy of the trade? Nice. Did Please we? say you did. I know he was asking us both about it. Did he actually? Oh, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. I hope so. so yeah. we're, it's good. We're, he was like, I know you guys keep talking about it on the show. We're like, no, it's really damn good. It's real good. Um, but yeah, in, in this issue, watching uh, everybody react to the, the shit that Land- Landry has done. It's just been really cool, um, but the boys, the boys thinking that they don't have anything to worry about if they go a little rogue. That's going to be really interesting to see going forward. And I don't want to say too much spoilery because you guys don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It makes me no, very grumpy. I'm sorry, <laughs> it's so good, Bartlett. For America, yeah, but also in this book, is <laughs> so good. President Bartlett. <laughs> and there's some shit going on with Perry. Man, there's just so much stuff that I want to talk about. If yeah. if somebody is reading this book monthly with me, please tweet at me because I do want to talk about this book, Start a little Twitter in, book detail, club. in detail. In detail. Because I love it so much. Um, it's good, good book. It is a good, good book. It is a good, good I've book. Read, also, good, children good eating book. cats is wrong. Don't do well, it. Yeah. And terrifying. Yeah. Is it I mean, the child they, we think it is? Is it the child I think it is? No. Okay. Who's, I mean, like, no. not a child. Because you know, she's been alive for how long? You don't know that. Um, <laughs> you don't know that. Uh, it's very good. No, it's it's a weird, creepy, no. really pale blue-eyed child that Ooh. it's just stripey and weird. And I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> it's a very scary face. Okay. It will haunt my dreams. <laughs> Thank you. Zebra boy. <laughs> Not quite. Juicy fruit. <laughs> Juicy fruit. That's his new name. It is so resolved. Motion carries. <laughs> Do you hear me, Donnie Cates? Rename that child Juicy now. Fruit. <laughs> yeah. You just call him JF for short. It's fine. Fruit stripe. But <laughs> Oh, you know, damn it. That's, that's what, what you I meant, meant, isn't it? I know that's what you meant. Oh, we were all dumb in that moment. 
<laughs> That's why I started laughing. I was like, Aww. juicy fruit. Mm, okay, I'm going to let that go for just a second. And then I'm going to pick it. Damn it, Brian. <laughs> no, thank Look, you. Look, Cocktober, all right? <laughs> at, M.A. He- at M.A. Haynes, we've gotten so many angry tweets about that one. <laughs> <sighs> okay, uh... I still like the name Juicy Fruit, though. You realize I got to bully both of you at the exact same time? <laughs> like, it's acceptable. What it's, it's so good. It's I acceptable. It. Yeah, I'm sure okay. it's a product of that uh, that giant blood harvest blue moon or whatever it is that's coming up. Okay. Yeah. There's a moon. A later blood moon? F- it is a blood moon and a blue moon. So it's going to be really big and, and Oh, it's red. a super moon. So it's going to be really, really, really big and red. Yeah, but it's also the second full moon of the month, so it's also a blue moon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a big red. Like, I don't... It's the moon. It shows up every night. Blurple moon. <laughs> you caught me standing alone. Well, it's going to be a blue moon and a red moon, so, so it's got to be yeah. purple, right? Violet's turning violet. It's Violet Beauregard. It's just Violet <laughs> Beauregard floating, floating through, the through the sky. There yeah. you go. Violet in the sky with diamonds. <laughs> And you've broken him. Move something, along. something purple rain. <laughs> Doomsday clock number three, which I guess I'll start about while Brian <laughs> yep, continues done. to choke. <sighs> so, I have a weird theory, and I'm going to call light spoilers, because nothing in this issue outright says it, unless you read a certain word balloon a certain way. I don't know if I read it right or not, but... <laughs> Are the mime and marionette Joker's parents? Ooh. Because they learn of the existence of the Joker, Mm -hmm. and then they toast with a bottle of Lindbergh whiskey to finding their son. Yeah. Lindbergh whiskey they toasted to finding their son. Hmm. It's got a picture of a little airplane on it and everything. Hmm. It's a Charles Lindbergh joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I laughed way more than was appropriate at that. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, that is... I, I, like, I don't know if I have words to express, but no. I think 92 I, episodes it took. Oh, oh my. Brian, no, no longer does words. Okay. Well, it was nice while it lasted. <laughs> Short. Short-lived. Um, I, th- I think you may be right. It it really, really fits. Yeah? Yeah. Or maybe it's the old bait and switch. That's when you think you're getting Harley, but you get Joker instead? Probably. Maybe it's the old bait and switch and switch. So when you think you're getting Harley and you get Joker and then it actually turns out to be a dead Robin instead? <laughs> yes. From now on. From now yes. on. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, Awful. Jason Todd. Yeah, we've been picking on him a Crowbar. bit. Aww. No, Metal's out next week. I know. Yeah. I know. Uh. Uh, but yeah, that is my wacky theory out of this one. I mean, there are other maybe more tangible, important things in this issue, but 
man, if I'm right, this is one hell of a called shot. So I'm going to take yeah, it. Yeah, that is a called shot and, and a damn good one. Like that really does make sense. If you look at how they've been kind of piecing this together and the fact and how they keep mentioning that. Yeah. yeah. And there are three jokers. Maybe yeah. it's mommy, daddy, and baby. Uh, yet yeah, no, the other thing that happens in this one, which this is the one that like, I, I'm curious to know if Mike is still okay with this series at this point, because this makes what is potentially a huge change to the old Watchmen story. I will tell you what his response would be. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You're wrong. And no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we find out, well, we find out how the character, which, I mean, is it spoilers for the last episode? I mean, hey, look, last listeners issue? at home, uh, You've had, use your judgment here. Yeah. If you haven't read number two yet, turn back, skip to next segment. Yeah, yeah, because, okay, well, you know what, spoilers, how's yeah. that? None. Um, we find out how the comedian is brought to the DC universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it is exactly what you would expect. Midfall. Yeah. Like, right before he hits the ground and is killed, he is brought to the DC Universe by John. Okay. So, did he die in Watchmen? Because if he didn't, then all of those events that happened in Watchmen wouldn't have happened. I mean, there's actually a really simple way to untangle this. I know. I, I get it. Dr. Manhattan is nigh omnipotent and basically just plucks one and replaces with a correct duplicate yeah. right the end. or at the end of all this he puts him back right where he took him from which yeah. is even creepier <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear a good joke hey, comedian the joke's on you <laughs> there's the real punchline that's right <laughs> yeah yeah but uh yeah I have been enjoying this book. This is my favorite issue so far. This is where I think it really starts to feel like its own separate thing. Yes. Yeah. This for me is where it's outside of the shadow of being a Watchmen sequel and is just kind of its own separate story. Agree. And the 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 Batman Rorschach stuff like is very good. That Rorschach was that was that and Alfred? Yeah. Yeah. Rorschach and Alfred were very good together. They were. Uh, the way Batman handled it was perfect. Yes. Right? Just perfect. Yeah. yeah. Which like, we've called spoilers. He he plays... Don't, yeah, glare, don't tell me. Glare at Jim <laughs> while you say it. Well, you know, that's fine. We don't have to call it. It's good. It is. It's yeah. very good. We can move on. I, f- I forgot you haven't read it yet. Yeah. I'm getting there. All right. Um, but the only other thing I'm going to say, you know, the, um, the old TV show movie that they have. Yeah. That run, that's basically the equivalent of the comic book from Watchmen. Right? Yeah. Um, Nathaniel Dusk, you know, that's an old DC character. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And there is a character whose last name is the same of a, Do- as a Doom Patrol character. Who's one of the actors in it. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yes. Oh shit! I, I forget remember. which one, but there, like, there are two. There are actually two or three. Yeah, DC characters kind of wrapped up in the fiction of the history of this movie, as well as like a couple of real world people. Like, it's just pulling, huh. pulling from both. Yeah. Well, oh, and there's the the, and then the in the back there's the one about the guy from Easy Company that's yeah. part of the story. That yeah. oh yeah, they name drop Sergeant Rock yeah. in the issue. Yeah. 
as like mm. a real hero in America. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about uh uh who is it? Uh uh Tin Soldier. Yeah. From Easy yeah. Company. Yeah. Very good. It's so good. Oh, Frank Farr, that was it. Yeah. You were Rita, Rita Farr's Farr. dad, maybe? I don't know. Presumably. Yeah. All right. Oh Brian. Yeah. You're picking things that wrapped up this week. <laughs> I am picking up, uh, well, because it's kind of, I don't want to say it's, it's yeah. kind of our last chance to talk about them, right? Yeah. Sort of. Nightwing the New Order, number six. Oh my gosh. So this is a kind of, if, I, I know we've talked about it once or twice before, but this is kind of a, what, 20 years in the future-ish, something like yeah, that? It's like, yeah, it's right at 20. It's yeah. 2038. Yeah. And... um Basically, shit has gone, shit broke bad, (laughs) right? And Dick Grayson came up with this solution, which was basically to remove everyone's superpowers. So there's no supervillains, there's no superheroes, nothing. And there is an agency that he then founds with, with Kate Kane to enforce this. Yeah. Right. If you have been waiting to decide whether you're going to read this book based on how it wrapped up, you need to read, you need this, to read book. this book. Yeah. If you haven't been picking up the issues, the trade's out in April, yep. or maybe the first week of May. It's in the April solicitation. April, 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 May ish time yeah. frame. How's that? Uh, it is such a good standalone story. Yeah. And it does a really great job of moving these characters, in a lot of cases, into adulthood. Because by and large, it's. Titans, Teen Titans characters who were sort of at the core of this. A lot of them, yeah. Uh, but also moving Nightwing and people in his circle outside of just being Batman's protege, just being Batman's legacy. It gives the Nightwing an entirely new one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really good. And uh, again, I was going to say the same thing. Basically, the way that they chose to wrap this up is mm-hmm. a fantastic ending. So, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely consider the picking this up. Yeah, and the God, the fact that it's just a nice, quick six issue, contained story, and so much happens in those yeah, six issues too. It really does. Yeah. Hey, Jen. Yeah. Spider Man, Spider Man does whatever a spider can. So we've gushed continuously he flies on coach <laughs> on how good Spider Man is and has been and. Hopefully, will continue to be. I mean, um, will be for as long as Dan Slott's still out. We well, yeah. Next, hopefully, still after that. But we only get to gush about Dan Slott Spider Man so much longer. That's right. So mm, gonna, and I will continue. Then we get to start um, slushing about his Iron Man, right? Yes. I don't slush about anything. You know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> gush, slush, whatever. <laughs> whatever suits your fancy. <laughs> Never send Brian to the store for gushers unless no. you want an icy treat. Well. You know, typically I could do either. If I want Gushers, I would also take an icy treat. Um, anyway. How are there not Gushers brand snow cones? I feel like uh, Slush Puppy had like Gushers flavors for a did while. They? I think they did. I, I could be wrong. It could have been like the Kmart icy. To be fair, like the empirically best Gushers are watermelon. So unless it was watermelon, mm-hmm. I would not have noticed wrong um okay. <laughs> you've met lying cat be wrong cat <laughs> wrong jenna um 
this was really funny and and um okay let me talk about what what was in this book my brain is really fucked up after getting hit in the head by a trunk today sorry thanks alex's car um (laughs) (laughs) so i'm a little scatterbrained um not literally that's your excuse not literally though none of her brains are on the sidewalk by my car no i picked those up put them back we're fine um in this one, Peter has flown to England using his his a month of his paycheck because he doesn't have a bunch of fucking money anymore. Nope. <laughs> Which, oh, watching him be poor, poor again. Yeah. So good. When we solved this problem, I thought I'd have a year to figure it out. And that's fine. I didn't think that I would have to pay my own way and not have Spider or P- Parker Industries money to get right. here. I love that he says that, and then later on he's like, man, I had a year to do this, and I still didn't do it. It's just like college. <laughs> what is wrong with me? Um, I didn't I didn't read. I, I haven't caught up on any of the stuff that pertains to this issue. Oh, you have? So the stuff with Scorpio, like, it was really good, but I didn't understand a lot of it. So, so give me some backstory, Alex. So Scorpio was the head of a group of villains that were all um zodiac zodiac themed Mm -hmm. and spoilers although you learn this pretty early peter doesn't know but you know it's in in volume three come on he was on the board of directors for parker industries and using his position to manipulate parker resources to help him build this zodiac empire Mm -hmm. to gain his goal was to gain a year's worth of knowledge of future events so that he'd be a step ahead of everyone for the next year. And he succeeded. Okay. So they locked him in a vault for a year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, he gets out. Like you do. Because so at the end of the year, then he wouldn't have his knowledge and not be yeah. dangerous anymore. In yeah. this issue, he, the vault's going to open like an hour before his year runs out. So they've got Horizon Labs there to help contain him for that hour. They don't know that he'd already put events into plan to free up his staff that breaks the containment. So he's got an hour loose to try to finish his because plan. he knew that how well, it was kn- going to happen right? exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, like he knows there's no longer like they try to bluff with him. But Shield's got this. And he, there's no Shield anymore. I know everything that's <laughs> happened. Shield's gone. Parker Industries is gone. You, you can't fool me. You've got nothing. I and said yet. nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> Uh, so yeah this is like a final issue of an arc that's however old this <laughs> arc for is real, that started in volume three yeah so it was really weird to come in like it, it felt weird because i didn't know anything that was going on with that character but at the same time it was really easy to pick it up and yeah. and figure out what the hell was happening dance lot plays an amazing long game he sure as fuck does I mean, like, long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, He started seeding um, uh, Superior Spider-Man 100 issues ahead of time. That's just, that's insanity. So on top of him wrapping up this thing, this big thing that happened and then never got concluded because it needed a whole year, um, we also have a heist. Yes. A terrifying, terrifying heist that puts a key player in a good position for him. I guess, but a very bad position for Spidey. This is where we call spoilers. Brian, be prepared to go, oh shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. We know that the final conflict of Dan Slot's run is going to be between Peter and Norman. Mm-hmm. Of course. That, yeah. that makes sense. So him and Goblin, right? What color Goblin is he? Red. 
And why is he a red goblin? Why is he red? Because he has a symbiote. Which one? Red Carnage? Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one... I, I can't... I can think of... No, I can't think of anybody that I would rather not have a fucking Carnage symbiote. And like He's got the, the container in his hand in front of him. He's like, I don't believe we've been introduced. It's terrifying. Oh, it's really, shit. He's crazy like he's, enough. He's so fucking looking forward to this, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's like, if I can't be the goblin, the green goblin anymore, I'll find some way to get my crazy back. Yeah. He don't need to get his crazy back. He cray. He cray. But it's so perfect because if the whole, if the whole green goblin thing is this other dark passenger voice in Mm -hmm. his head and he's cut off from that, a symbiote's the perfect way to recreate that. It's true. Another crazy voice in your head. Let's go, baby. It's that kind of perfectly logical thing that I can't believe no one's done because it seems so, so much like a perfect fit. And yet here we are. Damn. Yeah, it's that's terrifying. Congratulations, Dan Slot. That, yeah. hell yes. Can you imagine what kind of crazy planning years ahead of time he's going to do on an Iron Man run? Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Damn. This book was real good. So read the Spider Man. So when di- when you slot when you start Dan Slot's Iron Man in, in a couple months here, just be prepared to read it for ten years. So that <laughs> I hope pretty much. <laughs> so you get the whole story, but you won't be upset about that. No. Like it's gonna be good no. the whole time. Yeah. I hope he's on it for ten years. <laughs> All right, I think our last one. Uh, something we actually haven't talked about much in a while: the Flash. Ah. <laughs> Savior of Central City? <laughs> well, maybe not so much in this well, issue. Don't look great for maybe Barry. not. Yeah. This, uh, by the way, uh, this is also the 700th issue of yes. a Flash. Yeah. Nice. So it got it got its big 700 all, uh, variant cover this yeah. this week. Yeah. But it was weird that they put Pat Robertson on the cover of the Flash, but. Wow. <laughs> I had to get my windshield repaired on Monday, and I was sitting in the shop, and this old man who had gotten there before me had put the 700 Club on, and it was hell. It was the Ugh. worst. But, but it gave me this joke, so it still wasn't worth it. <laughs> it still wasn't worth it. No. No. So, it's never um, worth it. We talked way back about how Josh Williamson will build arcs and kind of layers and jump between now, not like eight or ten years out no but <laughs> but two or three arcs at a time yes. he'll have all these plates spinning and Correct. then he'll start to tie them together yeah, and he'll this start is, pulling those plates down and using them yeah this is kind of the second issue of him beginning to tie these things together only in this case it means bringing back a big old threat it, literally a big threat we find out who the true mastermind behind black hole mm-hmm. and the whole speed force storm speed force storm was yep. really everything that's been going on this entire time yeah okay uh and he, he, he there's a little bit of a misdirect in there because uh there's a point where somebody talks about yeah like he's the they say something about like he's the god of speed or the guy you know he wants to yeah. be the god of the speed force something like that and so i mean your immediate thought is, you know, uh, Savitar. Savitar right? Well, see, here's the thing, though, and this is part right. of why I wanted to talk about this issue. 
whether it is or not depends. Because I actually went straight to this character okay. having read the Buchelato Manipul run. So, spoilers. Yeah. What if Grodd was one of us? <laughs> yeah. So, we find out that it's, it's Grodd behind. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> I love this, though. I do, too. Because not only does it tie super well into everything Williamson's yep. been doing... But it goes back to what is one of my favorite flash runs and goes back to an arc that did feel like a major challenge for Barry. Like the the sort of new 52 Grodd, like the first thing he does out of the gate is get the Speed Force. Mm -hmm. And Barry's got to deal with a Grodd with Speed Force powers and a guerrilla army attacking Central City and all of this going on. And Barry wins that by... Wins the fight at the end of the day by learning to use this new power that lets him be totally still and vulnerable, but run through every possible outcome of how the future can play and find the one that's the solution. So in turn, this is Grodd just having played so far ahead that Barry never would ever actually think to do that, and Grodd doesn't strike until Grodd's basically won. Yeah. Like I like that it's taking the immediate history for this character and actually making it a part of subtly a part of the thing without needing it there to understand it. Yeah. And obviously there's something going something else going on with the grod. Yeah. Cuz he makes a comment that like his life is dependent on this. If memory serves, so. the speed force was like ripped out of him in the okay. course of that and my guess is he needs it back to not die. Right. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there. That, that, yeah, that sounds... It's right. been a while since I've read that arc, but I think that's where that ended. But yeah. Grodd's, Grodd is... He is one of the all-time great Flash villains. Yeah. yeah. Super excited about this. Yep. What a great time to bring him back, too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it still good? In which Alex realizes that we did not make notes on who was going to do which book. <laughs> so, uh... On the fly. Here on the go. fly, Jin is safe. Yeah, well, no kidding. <laughs> Betty and Veronica. I think Vixens. we should make her do some anyway. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Let's do this. Betty and Veronica Vixens number three. Brian. Um, uh, the girls finally start confronting uh, the serpents. Jughead the Hunger number three. Brian. Oh my God! Did you not read this? No, you're the only one reading this uh, monthly. Oh, you're reading in trade. trade. That's right. Um, hmm. Uh, Bingo tries to, um, tries to get Jughead on his side and things don't go so well for him. (laughs) Action Comics number 996. We learned that while Superman is good at many things, being a time traveler is not one of them. No, we knew that though. He batted that. Batman Beyond number 16. Terry and that hunter dude whose name I never remember fight for an issue. What issue do they fight for? Um, well, in <laughs> the case of the hunter ass. dude, it's because He's... the events of Future's End and Brother Eye taking over the future <laughs> okay, and the time, war that's decimated time, this time, world stuff. have left <laughs> Alex, his village come on, completely time, and utterly devoid time, of food no, or water. Mm-mm. So he's taken a contract <laughs> on Terry, even though they were cool. He's taken a contract on Barry, Terry, Sorry. even though they were cool, uh, to get resources for his village. Brian. Sorry. No more. No more. Demon Hell is Earth number three. Brian. Um, 
<laughs> He's just going to make you do all of them now. <laughs> You're probably right. Um, wow. Uh, everybody finds out uh, what's really been unleashed. Uh, and uh, mm, don't go so well for... Uh, don't go so well for... Anybody? Anybody. Doom Patrol number 10. Everybody eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> And Terry Nunn has Casey Briggs' baby. Does it make them faster and stronger? It makes them crazier and more... Well, yeah. They eat shit. Weird. It's got, it's got my quote of the week, which which tells you. Uh, it, <laughs> Mr. Nobody says, I convinced the whole world to gorge themselves on this delicious and nutritious additive that unbeknownst to them turns their entire reality inside out. Once activated by my tam- tap dancing daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And it's it's a box of shit. <laughs> nice. Gotham City Garage number eight, Brian. Um, hmm. Uh, we Supergirl gets gets some ink and declares her forever love of My Little Pony. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Raven, daughter of darkness, number one. A uh, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is the beginning of a 12 issue uh, mini they call it a mini series 12 issues um, maxi series yeah and basically it picks up from the other Raven series and does a good setup for what's going to be coming next rough and ready show number 4 uh Brian <laughs> um <laughs> I can't even get to the book fast enough um <laughs> I'm gonna be an ass to take the next one for myself <laughs> just to dick you uh, over this is number four six and um <laughs> let's see they find out that um pissing off their old agent to go to their new agent probably didn't work out and then that agent finds out that that's mm-hmm. and then the their old agent after trolling them Discovers maybe that wasn't such a bad idea all along. Teen Titans number 16. Let Starfire be Starfire. <laughs> Wonder Woman number 39, Brian. Do I need to let you talk about Teen Titans? Uh, no. Okay. Wonder Woman number 39, Brian. Um, uh... <laughs> My dogs are like obsessed with Brian right now. What's going on with these dogs? <laughs> they keep crying at him. Um, but, uh... Uh, Wonder Woman fights Silver Swan, and um, seven swans of silver. Her her brother finds out that maybe he should have just let her deal with it. <laughs> the shadow number six, Brian. Oh my god! Um, You're the one who wrote all these books. I know. <laughs> come here. Okay, guys, come on. I don't know what's going on. Dog pile. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is the end of this arc. And uh, we may have a new member of the Shadow family. Shadow. Kid Lobotomy number four, Brian. Uh, What was it? Kid Lobotomy. Oh, Kid Lobotomy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Was that the sound of Duncan licking the box filter? You know what? You know what? We get Shakespeare Kafka style. Wow, that that sounds real bad. <laughs> to be a giant fly or not to be a giant fly? That is the question. <laughs> Black Science Kingly number really. 34. <laughs> Alex. <laughs> yes, me. Black Science number 34. I still can't explain what's going on in this damn book. Just read the thing. <laughs> That's going to be my answer for every issue from now on. 
Six criminals number 21. Alex still can't explain what's going on. We learn what life is like for John and Susie post-breakup. Aww. And it involves a lot of Freddie Mercury cosplay. Well, of course it does. Avengers number 677. Brian. <laughs> uh, the Avengers continue to uh, try to figure out what's going on. And... Um, Somebody may not be quite fast enough at the end of this day. Black Panther number 189. Uh, Io and Daneke foil claws plans. That was clunky. Inhumans Judgment Day number one. The Inhumans fight the progenitors and Black Bolt and Medusa have a sort of reunion. Reunion, not re-reunion. Ironheart's (laughs) not in this. Ironheart, yep. (laughs) Legion number one, Brian. But but I am going to put re-reunion as a word in my back pocket for later. (laughs) Legion number one, Brian. Uh, Oh, Legion number one. Um, uh, Man, David Holler is fucked up. That's all you have to say. That is that is all you have to say. And this psychologist ain't no hollerback girl. Ain't no hollerback girl. That's right. Phoenix Resurrection number four. Uh, old man Logan gets ready to potentially reenact his favorite scene from X Men Three: The Last Stand. <laughs> Oh, okay. That's... He's not wrong, though. God, God. Thanos number 15. We learn who the fucking Cosmic Ghost Rider is. Okay. X-Men Blue number 20. Uh, X-Men Blue number 20. Um, The team finishes their trip through time and comes to a realization about their ultimate destiny. X-Men Blue Annual number 1. Uh, this, uh, real quick before I do the uh, the quick thing, this is the first story of the I can't remember what they're Poison X is what they're calling it. Oh, um, yeah, this is the, cro- the follow up. To... Yeah, it's it's the follow up to the uh, uh, Venomverse Venom. stuff with the poisons, um, and so um, <laughs> the the X Men team, the X Men Blue team, uh, kidnaps uh, Venom uh, and takes him on a Joy space ride. all right so uh brian Mm -hmm. long box book report the long box book report i'm excited about this long box no we don't do that we don't do that anymore no but we do no we don't no fuck you (laughs) um i have from adventure comics uh livingstone mountain from Steve Moncuse. This was in uh, 1991. This came out, and uh, may God have mercy. Fortunately, it did not get lost in 1991. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Did you say fortunately or unfortunately? Unfortunately, it did not get lost. <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh, about. Um, so, okay. The, the first thing is this is Livingstone Mountain. Okay. However, in this book is a living stone. Mountain. I'm just like trying so to imagine Stone Mountain. Why the being fuck alive. didn't they call it? L- what? Never mind. Question: um. <laughs> Does this mountain have its PhD? 
May I then presume that it is Dr. Livingstone Mountain? Um, <laughs> no, you cannot. <laughs> nope. His, name, his name's Watson, though, apparently. Uh-huh. Don't that... Yeah. Watson the Livingstone Mountain. I don't... Yeah. Um, I don't know what the hell they're doing. And now the dogs are just like... They don't like Livingstone Mountain either. Apparently. They're giving their opinion. Googam. Googam. <laughs> <laughs> um... Yes, yeah, so apparently it's a book about this kid with big flowing hair and the last dragon, but the dragon will only talk to him. But like everybody knows that this dragon, they all comment about how he seems really intelligent. It's almost like he understands what I'm saying, but like for some reason the dragon just chooses not to talk. God, this book was awful. <laughs> there were no buts, so like Aww. couldn't even do that. And um, yeah, it, 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 yeah, okay, and I'm done. It was awful. <laughs> Roll the die. Uh, apparently what happened is, uh, I don't know, two weeks ago, Alex and I drew books at the same time. And Alex got the Animal Man book, and I got this one. He Clearly, tried to hand it to universe, you. Yeah, somehow he tried the to hand it to you. crossed and screwed up. Because I, I, this is clearly, this should have been Alex's book I'm, when I got the Animal I'm telling man. you, he That's tried it. to hand it to you. I did. All right, Jen is one. Ugh. Alex is two. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Well, tell me about the Southeast's premier destination for Steve Buscemi and Armageddon action figures. Rockhounds. Yeah. Nice. That's, that's that, fucking, was, that was that was a great. long word. Long that was way really to go, fucking sir. great. Um, <laughs> um. I'm sorry. That was that was a deep cut. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was. If you like really cool rocks, I've already told you about rocks. You know that there are fucking rocks at Rockhound and Relics Trading Co. on Lemon Street in Ackworth. You just know. But did you know that they have really, really cool deer antler rings? I did not know that. In gold, rose gold, and white gold. Very awesome. Very pretty. I they, saw pictures on Facebook. Yeah. Or Instagram, maybe. Both, maybe. I don't know. One of the two. Yeah, you can in, follow on Facebook and Instagram Insta-book. and, and, and see all of the really cool things. Um, my sister has started leaning into this. Uh, there, there are certain type of people who come into my sister's store because it is a rock store um, and it has a bunch of crystals and stuff. So she started leaning more into um, selling to that type of market. So she has sage bundles. She oh. has various dried herbs and stuff. Um, for really cleansing the spirit, yeah. I think, is what it's for. White sage, yeah. Yeah. Um, or if you're working on your Jackie Chan Adventures cosplay and want to go as Uncle, you'll need some. <laughs> okay. Yep. He's not wrong. He's really not wrong. Good fucking cartoon, guys. Yeah, man, you are full of these deep cuts. Um, it's like I'm <laughs> drilling through a meteor. Hey, hey. No. There are some wow. meteor slices in my sister's shop. Go get them. Steve They're so Buscemi cool. was here. <laughs> That's the relics. Yeah. It's true. There you go. Rockhound and his relics. That's right. That's Steve a comic Buscemi's book now. new alt rock band. <laughs> <laughs> but for real, though, like if you don't go for any other reason, just go to see my sister's dog. Because he's the coolest. And so, so chubby. He's little and fat. But buy something while you're there, and also buy something. Right, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, and wear your wear your persona. Right. Yes. Yeah. And Go don't in forget persona. Your persona. Right. Yes. What we get, Alex? By we, I mean you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brian, I'm glad you asked. 
Remember your uh, prognostication that I would have X-Force in my hand? <laughs> really? You weren't far off. Although, oh, oh, is it is it X-Farce or something? <laughs> essentially. Um, this is labeled as a one-shot parody issue. So at least it has an excuse if it's stupid. Because it's going to be. I have Jmin number one. <laughs> Jmin. Spelled like X-Men, but without the hyphen. And it says right here, pronounced Jmin one syllable. So I have Jmin number one. It does warn me right here, caution, this is not a Marvel comic. And clearly Dan Slott did not write this, because we know he would have a hyphen. Yes. <laughs> no, not if it's Jmin. That's the whole point. Right. Um, the cover is a character clearly modeled after Phoenix. With the text balloon, Black Jean lives again, only on her costume where there would be a logo are just the letters BJ. <laughs> yep. Oh my oh, god. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Oh yeah. my. Oh, I, I thought as I flipped it open that Storm was topless flying through the air. <laughs> she just has very prominent... I keep forgetting books with very prominent nipples. <laughs> books that are like the X-Men but not and with so very prominent here's nipples. here's my theory is that they're all in the same universe and that universe is very cold. <laughs> so Jmin is probably a prequel to... The X mutants. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what, so uh, wait, it's the same universe they filmed Friends in. Yes. <laughs> the, the darkest timeline. <laughs> or off panel, everybody just has a nipple tweaker. There is that alternative. That's also. like a fluffer, but for yes. upstairs. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Actually, that is exactly what that is. Okay. <laughs> um. The looker, for anyone who doesn't know what a fluffer is, as opposed to the watcher, the looker Urban is a large-headed, bald-headed woman with a little button holding her toga together that says "bald is beautiful," and for some reason, is just hanging out in a bathtub okay. while she narrates. All right. So, Brian. <laughs> so clearly, I was right. You used all your long box karma to get that animal man last week. Pretty much. Nice. So now, and I'm going to say this, and you can put it wherever you need to put it when you edit. Probably right here. Okay. Then you can just cut that if you want, or not, and it's even better. <laughs> so now, we will be cutting to our conversation with Magdalene Visaggio that we, tweet, that we yeah. teased. Yeah. Coming up next. <laughs> yeah. It was... Right after these commercials. No, wait. <laughs> no, we already did the commercial. Yeah, oh, right. Um, yes, right. Right no. here, after that commercial. <laughs> <laughs> It was really, really fun, and I hope you guys liked it as much as we did. You we'll like it? And, and now, my, now my dogs are chasing my cat again. We'll like it, because they're about to hear it. Yeah. Okay. All right, so if we're doing this right, you should be hearing us again now. <laughs> if, we cut in, if we've cut our audio together correctly, we're back, and we are joined now by Magdalene Visaggio. Hello. Welcome. Howdy. Who is writing Transformers vs. Visionaries, who is writing Eternity Girl, which starts out in Milk Wars Backups this week, this two week, days from yeah. now if you're listening on Monday, and who has Vagrant Queen upcoming in May. Damn. 
who has Quantum Teens Argo coming out in trade in like three weeks, two weeks, two and a um, half. Valentine's Day. So I guess about two weeks at this point, two, three weeks. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. That's great. And then, of course, Kim and Kim and a bunch of other stuff that has happened. Girl, you're yep. busy. Yeah, I know. It's probably a little too busy. And there's a lot of stuff that I can't even talk about because nothing's been announced. So I'm busier than that. <laughs> Holy That's shit. great, though. It's funny. I just had someone being like, being like, uh, you're not going to be working comics very long. And I'm like, you haven't seen my schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I need something you don't. through yes. like September. And also go fuck yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm I'm the asshole of the group, I guess. Which relative <laughs> to the fair. other two of us is saying something. <laughs> yeah, that is saying something. <laughs> so, so if I say something, just be like, shut up. Just yeah. shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but thank you for taking time to, to sit down with us. Well, thank you for having me. I always love doing podcasts. Nice. Great. Our first question for you is the first question we ask everyone. How did you get into nerdy shit? Just in general, existentially. Uh, I'm honestly not sure. To be honest, I think a lot of it had to do with growing up in the late 80s, early 90s. So I I grew up on on Transformers. My dad got me into Star Trek um, pretty early. Um, And actually, I mean, really, it was was mostly all through my dad, um, who was really into Star Trek and um, Superman, actually. And my dad got me... I don't remember how I got into Star Trek, but it was definitely through him. But I don't remember. Like, that was really early. (laughs) Um... So I've been literally watching Star Trek longer than I can remember. I think I must have been four when I started. Um, but my dad got me my first comic books when I was, I think, probably six or seven years old, maybe eight at the outside, but that seems late. Um, and it was some uh, some action comics where, like, Superman was, like, lost in the 1940s and he had amnesia and was working as a circus strongman. Um <laughs> I loved that issue, and I had no idea what was going on. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and I pretty quickly transitioned over to Marvel stuff because X-Men had a cartoon. Yeah. Um, and fairly shortly after that, Spider-Man had a cartoon. Um, and I just sort of got sucked into into Marvel for years and years and years and years. Um, so, yeah. Cool. That's great. That's that's. Mildly similar to most of the people we've yeah. talked to. Yeah. I mean, I imagine most people probably have similar how we got into geekdom stories. I can't imagine too many people who are like, well, I found this copy of Action Comics number one in the attic of my grandparents' <laughs> house. I just started reading through it. And then my grandfather walked in and he was horrified because I destroyed the value. You know, like, I just don't think anyone's going to have that story. Yeah. No, that's closer to mine, though. (laughs) It was not an action comic or nothing like valuable or anything, but it was at my grandparents' house. But yeah, anyway. Um, So how did that transition into you writing for comics? Heck yeah. Well, I started making comics as soon as I started reading comics because I was like a kid. And I was like, I can draw pictures and write little speech balloons. (laughs) So I started making my own little X-Men comics. I remember I did like a, a, a Nightcrawler solo thing at one point just because Nightcrawler was my favorite. Nightcrawler's um, the best. Yes. Indeed. Oh, right. <laughs> Love Nightcrawler. I, I, I was so into Excalibur as a kid because nobody else was into it. And I was like, this can be mine. <laughs> and so I started reading a ton of Excalibur. I think the first comic I ever made was I was definitely eight years old. And it was... Uh, the Amazing Spider Boy. <laughs> um, 
And then I did a, a second issue of it because I couldn't figure out how to figure. I couldn't figure out how to finish the story that I started. I just did. All right. Well, this is going to be Web of Spider Boy, and then <laughs> it's going to be a different title, so it's a different thing. And then I was going to have them cross over, but I never actually did that because that was way above my eight-year-old head. Aww. Well, that's super adorable. <laughs> I still stand by that costume design, though. It was pretty great. Ah, nice. <laughs> That it had awesome. like that '90s thing where it was like the the full face mask with the hair sticking out. Oh, <laughs> nice! Yeah. Which I always thought would have looked good on Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. It would have. He has great hair, messy, wonderful. What I'm saying. <laughs> so you mentioned Transformers. You've got Transformers versus Visionaries happening right now. Do we want to just gracefully segue right into that? <laughs> um, what if we just like barrel at it with a truck? That That's is what we actually tend to do. really yeah. on which, for us, yeah. <laughs> which is okay, cool. kind of how that comic seems to be coming. They just kind of it just kind of comes out swinging, yeah. especially <laughs> if that truck transforms into a robot. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> um. So what about it? How did it come about? Yeah. Also, why do you want to break all of our hearts? Take either of those questions. <laughs> well, I don't want to break all of your hearts. So you're referring to the death of Cup? I am. That was not my decision. Okay. Okay. <laughs> At but you no did it point so well. Would they let? How, what? Like on what planet is publisher <laughs> going to let a first-time, you know, uh, writer on a property? Because this is my first Transformers work. Just be like, I'm going to kill a major character. <laughs> Just, and they're like, you know what? That's fun. That's that sounds good. No, they um, they informed me fairly early on in the process that Cup needed to die by the end of issue one. Oh. oh. So that's, that's what I went uh, went and did. Um, how it happened was me and, and David Hedgecock, who used to be the editor in chief at IDW had been like trying for ages to find something to do together. Cause he really likes my work. And I actually pitched a couple of other Transformers things that, that ended up not happening. Like they went a different direction. I pitched a Bumblebee story that, um, cause they wanted to get something on the shelves for the Bumblebee movie. Um, and I actually am really disappointed that story didn't go forward because uh, I think it was my better efforts. Um, but eventually, you know, Hedgecock just landed in my inbox with this email that said, uh, do you want to revive Visionaries? And I was like, who? <laughs> okay, that, that, okay. I, I, that answered one of my we questions. All it's like, were better. you just like a huge Visionary fan? No, I'd, okay. never, I'd never heard of them. Um <laughs> I'd never heard of them, <laughs> although I apparently had some sort of tangential awareness of them because when I was a kid, I definitely had some rock lords, <clears throat> and they fought at one point or something. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or maybe that was the Transformers. I don't know. At some point, they were going to meet the rock lords. It's all the same thing. Um, <laughs> I know there was something that was going to happen, but whatever. Um, so I went and looked it up um, and was like, okay, I see there's some really interesting meat. You know, here there this uh, this is a concept with some good bones, and yeah, I'd really <clears throat> I'd be interested in doing that. And uh, at the uh, at the beginning, the idea was that I was going to basically be able to do whatever I wanted um, because IDW was working under the assumption when we started <clears throat> this was going to be a standalone thing. And since Visionaries is largely forgotten, it does still have a small, very passionate fan base, which I've been interacting with with various degrees of. Uh, of uh, them being supportive versus not supportive of the direction that we took, <laughs> oh, so which fandom. I understand, which I understand because like, I, I know what it's like to be like, to, to be a big fan of something and feel that kind of ownership over it. Yeah. Um, and like, and in their defense, I did change a lot of things. 
Um, where was I going with this? Uh, this happens a lot in podcasts. I have no short-term memory. How uh, how the project came about? How you got it? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> We're so the same way. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked it up, and I thought this is really interesting, and there's some some good meat here. And um... all right, there we were. So IDW was going to basically let this be kind of like a standalone thing, and I could basically do whatever I wanted. And so I started putting together this an outline and <clears throat> working with my artist Fico uh, Oseo on it, um, trying to get the visual direction. And we originally were going to take this in a, in a really wildly new direction because um, the big thing is if you look at the Hasbroverse is it's a science fiction universe, not mm-hmm. a fantasy universe. And I wanted to find a way to make these things fit together in a way that felt cohesive. So I was like, okay, well, Prismos is an earth, which means these guys aren't humans, which means they're aliens. So maybe we make them more alien, which is how we ended up on a, a lot of their visual design. But originally they were like, they weren't even like as human as they are. Mm-hmm. Like uh, originally they didn't have nose. It had like serpentine kind of like nose nostril slits. Um, <clears throat> they were like green and blue and stuff like that. And uh, we pulled back from that. Um, fairly quickly because we submitted to lots of things to Hasbro and Hasbro approved the, the humanoid designs and we pushed the, and then we started like working and, and, and tweaking and developing those. Cause we sent them like four or five different directions. <clears throat> um, I'm losing my train of thought. Cup. We're, I think eventually we were getting a cup. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, um, they decided pretty early on that they wanted someone to die or, uh, in the in the book to 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 just kind of give it a sense of weight, yeah. yeah, you know, and to make it feel like this wasn't like a one off that you could just like like brush off. That this was going to be this was going to something that was going to have lasting consequences. That was something that they wanted to to set up very quickly. Um, <clears throat> and originally we were talking about killing off Merklin, um, oh. and and I was like, one, I need him. <laughs> that I've kind of sold you. Kind of important. Mm. Um, like the vague outline because we hadn't like gotten too specific, but like uh, yeah. I needed Merklin. Um, and two, who the fuck is going to care if we kill Merklin? No. Like there's going to be a small group of readers who will respond to that on some level, but most of the readers aren't, aren't going to. And they're like, okay, those are good points. And then they came back to me about a week later and said, you're killing Cup now. And I was like, well, that escalated. <laughs> Damn because it. Because Cup is beloved. Yeah. I was like, I don't know, yeah. Wheeljack or something like, like some like mid-tier person, <laughs> breakdown, somebody. No, nope, um, going right nope, for the gut cup, punch. Cup. I, uh, uh, he gave me Cup. I take it then that my experience of reading this was abnormal because I, other than Beast Wars, somehow managed to miss Transformers. This is the first time I've ever seen Cup in anything. So, like, two pages from the end, I'm like, okay, this character is awesome. I cannot wait for more. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, Cup <laughs> is awesome. Um, I, I've, uh, he's been one of my favorite Transformers for a very long time. And I'm not, like, super big into Transformers. Um, I mostly just know, like, the when I was a kid, Generation 2 was airing. Um, so that's what I grew up on. And I had an old VHS of the 1986 movie, which is where we meet Cub. Right. And I love that movie. It's not good, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got an absolutely just, just insane 
plot that doesn't have a strong through line. It's just, it's very episodic, which makes sense because they eventually broke it into episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, The pacing's super funky, but it's a really fun movie. And the first like half hour is a masterpiece. (laughs) Um, But then they like really stumble over trying to establish all the new characters. And it's just, it's just very, it's a very odd film. Um, so, but no, so Killing Cup like hit me pretty hard because I've always <laughs> loved Cup. So how is it for you going from writing books that have these big kind of comic booky moments that usually usually then move past to sort of the emotional fallout of to writing space wizards fighting giant transforming robots? It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's the same thing. Um the best lesson I've ever learned about writing is if you give people the emotion, they will buy anything in the plot. You will forgive the most bizarre, nonsensical plots if the emotion is there. Um, and what that means is that in comics, we have permission to go absurdly big, which is the fun thing about comics. Like we, it, it comes up a lot that there's no, there's no budget limitations in comics. If you can imagine it and they can draw it, you can do it. Um, so for this, as much as um, for my creator-owned stuff, I'm always trying to find the heart of the story. Um, and it was difficult with this because it's a very this is a very big story with a sprawling cast. And I try as much as possible to make everybody someone that you care about, which <clears throat> means in five issues, <clears throat> there's only so deep I can get. <clears throat> But I did my best to try to keep the focus on a few core characters. Uh, Leoric, Virulina, Merklin, um, and Arzon are the ones that uh, I think get the most development over the course of the book. But I, I've tried to give everybody some kind of moment. Um, some obviously are, are, are more than others, and some ended up not happening. But in terms of like going from, you know, like space wizards, you know, go, pardon in terms of writing space wizards versus giant robots, it's still just finding a story that people can connect with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for this, I, the, the reason the first issue is so talky, the first issue is so political, is because I needed to establish plot stakes, but also to introduce character dynamics and relationships so that you would care about them. And so there's this really important moment in the first issue where Leoric and Cup are talking after the negotiations have started to break down. <laughs> And they have this little, this very little conversation where Cup sort of paints the picture of the whole history of Cybertron in just like a couple of sentences to try to like reach Leoric, to try to like build that kind of connection between, you know, between the two of them and to show that, that they each have a counterpart, that, they, that they're not alone. Yeah. And then the death of Cup at the end disrupts that whole dynamic and sends everything to hell. But one of the things that it, it, it sends veering off is Leoric because Leoric suddenly feels like he's <clears throat> isolated mm-hmm. in a way he didn't used to be. And that isolation is going to drive a lot of the rest of the book. And so yes. you can do any kinds of craziness you want. Space wizard. I mean, what's star Wars? It's space wizards and spaceships, Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> but there's a lot of heart in it. Mm-hmm. it so, so you just always got to go for that. Was it harder or was it different writing in like an established IP like with the Transformers than it is the creator and stuff? Yeah, it is because you have to 
worry a lot more about continuity. Um, there's a lot that comes ahead of you. You have to take into account. I did a lot of reading. Um, <clears throat> I did a lot of watching of old episodes of visionaries, <laughs> which is a, a very interesting show that I think never quite lands what it wants to be. But I think that there's a, there, if it had lasted longer, I think it probably would have been a, something we remembered very fondly as like a society. Um, Cause it's, it's really just uh, morally nuanced or at least it's trying to be. <clears throat> um, and so Going into this, I knew that I had to satisfy, this had to be visionaries, right? It had to be recognizably visionaries mm. in some capacity, even if it's dramatically different when by the time, you know, if, you've, if you're familiar with visionaries, you should be able to read this and, 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 and comprehend that this is on some level consistent with the experience. And it also has to fit not only into general Transformers continuity, but we also had to pick up specific plot threads from the end of First Strike. Mm. Okay. And that's actually extremely complicated um, and involves a, a good deal of back and forth of editorial. Um, like they send me, they sent me scripts of unfinished issues and a lot of these scripts were still being rewritten at the time. So I'm like working off half established continuity <laughs> to try to build some kind of, consistency. so there are actually a few inconsistencies between first strike and this because things were still kind of coming together all at the same time because we all wanted to hit the release schedule. Yeah. Um, and you're going to find that like in any large scale crossover mm -hmm. event, there's going there's always going to be some, uh, some balls that get dropped. Um, but we all just did our best to try to navigate the, the mountains of continuity and the, and not just the mountains, like all these different layers of continuity that had to be satisfied simultaneously. It's a complex process. It's uh, yeah. one of the more involved books I've ever written. Okay. I bet. How does that compare to what you're doing with Eternity Girl, um, starting out as a backup in Milk Wars and then spinning out into its own into its own miniseries. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> because um, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't seen it on how my... So I wrote the backups for the first four of five parts. Yeah. I haven't seen the fifth part. And so I don't know how they're going to be tying those together. Mm. I created a pathway to let Steve tie that together, but I haven't seen what he's done. Um, <clears throat> but other than that, uh, Eternity Girl doesn't have a ton of continuity that has to be worried about. Um, in as much as it takes place in a shared universe, the shared universe it takes place in is functionally very small. There's not really any outside influence coming into it. Um, it's really kind of in its own bubble in the way that I think the best comics are, yeah. um, like the kind of the, the, the thing that I've always loved about shared universes isn't that, you know, uh, you have to know what's happening in every book to make sense of it. But as you could be reading Spider-Man and, and Thor could be flying overhead, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I've always loved that those sorts of little things that mm -hmm. tie it together. Mm -hmm. Um, and, like, if you read something like Squirrel Girl, which stands alone to a truly immense degree, um, it just takes advantage of the continuity that's that it's standing on top of, mm -hmm. but doesn't – you don't have to know it backwards and forwards to enjoy the book. It makes a point of trying to bridge those gaps. Yeah. With Eternity Girl, I treated it sort of from the beginning like it was its own thing. I was treating – I've been treating it like a creator-owned book. Um, the fact that – uh, the main character, 
Uh, Carolyn Sharp is not an established character who isn't, she's never appeared before. Um, all there's nobody in this book who's ever appeared before. Um, like, uh, her adversary, Madam Adam, I wanted to kind of look like she was a silver age hero and she's got the name of a silver age hero, not like an existing one, but like she's got a name that's in yeah. that style. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> and so I wanted it to feel like it's got continuity behind it. Because the the story kind of depends on that, but there's there's nothing in the book that depends on knowledge you can't get from the book. That That's very cool. Yeah. yeah, which is Alex and I have discussed recently that 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 seems to be one of the things that is a huge problem with a lot of the big IPs that you have to read so much to get kind of the whole yeah. story and understand that it's yeah. really it's really nice to have something that's not that way. Yeah, and that's that's um, how I how I really prefer to operate. I um, I've never been the sort of person who reads all the tentpole books. I'm the sort of person who, like every time there's a crossover, I just kind of skip those issues and try to piece it together later mm-hmm. because yeah. <laughs> because there's like I've got the co- right here. I've been sitting on these two issues of X Men Gold for like two months, and I haven't touched them because I don't really. I I'm not gonna buy X Men Blue. I'm just. I'm not going to buy books that I don't regularly read just to finish the crossover. I'm just yeah. not that kind of reader. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally speaking, after the, the the aftermath, I can always just kind of piece together at least what the new status quo is, and I'm good. And any information that I need will generally be given to me as needed. But I don't like the idea of having to read an entire line of books to make any sense of things. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have a friend who kind of passively will pick up trades here and there. Um, not really any rhyme or reason to it, but every now and then I'll ask, Hey, is there a big Marvel event? I can jump in a big DC event. I can jump in. I'm like, well, yeah, but it's not going to make sense unless you stop and you read X, Y, and Z first, or are willing to just go in confused for the first three or four issues worth. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I got my, um, I actually just had this happen to me. I just got my comps in from, uh, the first part of Milk Wars, uh, earlier this week. Um, and I read it, and I had no idea what was going on because the Doom Patrol number ten's not wasn't out yet. Oh, <laughs> oh no! So I was like, I was like, what the? F-? I didn't realize that that was the lead in when I started reading it, and so I was like, what the f- fuck is going? On? <laughs> I don't know that I realized that either because I just assumed that that was going to go because there's a Doom Patrol eleven that's not out yet either and won't be out before. Won't be out before. Uh, I think JSA it's no. Patrol. I think it's ten. Which whatever, whichever one that came out this week. Yeah, that is was the lead into Milk Wars. Yeah, you're right. okay. yeah, that's the lead into Milk Wars. I don't um, believe you'll need to have read eleven before Milk Wars. All right, I'll ask this question. You may not be able to answer it. Is it the like three or four pages where everything is whited out that it happens in? Is that? I'm sorry. There are like three or four pages in Doom Patrol where just everything goes to white. Is that where... I haven't read the... I haven't been to my comic shop this weekend, oh, so I haven't read number oh, 10 yet. okay. Damn it, Alex. Pro- but Sorry. probably. Okay. <laughs> probably. Okay. Yeah, that, that would make sense. That sounds consistent with what I know about Milk Wars, because I, I have... I've had some tangential involvement within it, because I needed to, because we were launching a Turner Girl off of it, right. but I'm, I'm not I'm not in deep on that story. Okay. okay. Well, I won't, I won't tell you how or why that happens, just, hey, it's a weird book that does things with reality. Yeah, I was going to say... Oh, imagine that. <laughs> well, so is Eternity Girl, so... Excellent. Very cool. So, Get fucking ready for the weirdest shit I've ever written. But, which sounds like it <laughs> would fit excited. right in with young animal stuff. So, yeah. 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 Uh, there's been, it seems like, sitting on 
are into things. A lot of confusion maybe over what Eternity Girl is. I know I've seen like on Twitter and in interviews you having to correct a lot of people on is she a villain? Well, no, she's not really. She's being manipulated. Do you want to talk about kind of what? Talk about kind of what? Kind of what's going on? What what the setup for Eternity Girl is? Um, Eternity Girl is well, she. It's hard to call her the good guy of the book. Um, the basic premise of the story is that you have an immortal being as a result of how she got her powers. Um, she can't die. That's part of the nature of her powers. Um, who no longer has the reason or will to live, which is, a, which is basically hell. And... So then this opportunity sort of is presented to her. Basically, it's not exactly this, but for the sake of simplification, the ghost of her arch nemesis offers her the opportunity to destroy the universe. And that's, that's her suicidality. Like that's her track. And part of the thing is that I wanted, because I wanted to do a book about suicidality as someone who has struggled a lot with depression. Um, I wanted to do a book about what depression and suicidality feels like for me. And the center of that is that depression is very self-centered. <clears throat> you kind of withdraw into this, into this, you're not even withdrawing into yourself, just in this tiny little black ball within yourself. And you kind of stop caring about the world outside of you. And so she's got this opportunity to end her suffering. And the cost is the is is all of existence, and she's fine with that. And so it's not malicious. She's not trying to hurt anybody. She just can't get out of her own head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really really interesting concept to me because like I feel like a lot of us have had that moment of you know we don't have the will we don't have the will but not having the reason and then having that that big of an escape is such a weird and interesting concept. Well, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a comic book. That's what yeah. I'm oh yeah. You can, uh, yeah. you can go, you you gotta go big. And I wanted to create a story that had a, that had immediate massive stakes for everybody. It's like, if you're reading this book, even if you're not depressed, you can, you can look at this response as massive overkill, but it's internally consistent within her. Right. Yep. Like it's a, it's a decision that makes sense. For where she is in her life at that point um which is which is also deliberately terrifying like the idea that because i guarantee you there are people in the world right now who if someone came up to them and said you know what how we could make your suffering end we could just end everything and they would go for it yeah. there's the yeah. people are out there depression's that huge oh yeah yeah agreed um, either of you have any any Eternity Girl questions? Maybe no. We I'm can... just super excited to read it. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm... I will have more questions after. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that they're not. What was going on? <laughs> that may be it, but it might not be bad. Yeah, sometimes I like. Sometimes I like when I have to yeah. ask that question. And actually, yeah. I mean, up. that's uh, everything Grant Morrison wrote for Doom Patrol. <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I've been I've been rereading his, not rereading reading his run for the first time because <sighs> I I I'd, uh, I'd never read it before. Hey, me and too. Basically, literally, anytime the 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 
the Brotherhood of Dada uh-huh. shows up. Yeah. It's just like, okay, so I'm just going to have to get through this for four issues. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he'll tie it all up at the end, but he might not. You might you might never know what's going on. No. <laughs> and I think that's – but the, the cool thing there is that's kind of the point. The it chaos is. and the, the, the nonsense um, is built into it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've tried to have what I would call kind of like a controlled chaos. Mm-hmm. In um, in a turning role, my my biggest influence on it uh, would actually be uh, Cecil Castellucci's Shade the Changing Girl, um, <clears throat> which really I think is the best comic being made right now. Um, it is fantastic. So I've been I've been reading that week after week after week, month after month, and just being like like she's pushing narrative boundaries in all these really interesting ways, and I wanted to not do what she was doing, but do something that felt to me the way that feels yeah that's cool and so it's that kind of like there's lots of like rapid fire scene changes often within like within a conversation so like Mm -hmm. there'll be a consistent conversation but the scene is changing but they're having the same conversation and we're talking like within a page like four scene changes that's awesome yeah i really like yeah i I enjoyed that i'm super excited (laughs) Uh, do you want to talk about Vagrant Queen? I don't, I don't know. I know not a whole lot's been said about it. I don't know. No, not a whole lot has. Uh, Vagrant Queen is, um, sort of my attempt at kind of two-fisted space opera sci-fi. Um, but it's me, so it doesn't take itself very seriously. (laughs) I've been calling it Star Wars directed by the Coen brothers. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. Yeah. The, the basic premise there is... Our main character is uh, named Elida, and she used to be the child monarch of this space kingdom before the French Revolution in space happened, (laughs) (laughs) and she was deposed, and she and her mother fled, and they were spending years and years flitting between all these, like, royalist colonies on the outskirts um, that that the, the new revolutionary government has still been trying to pacify um, but then her mother at one point was taken and she escaped flash forward another decade or so. And she's like 25, 26 years old. And this sort of frenemy tells her that he knows where her mother is. Um, and he, and like the, he wants basically, he's like, I'll help you rescue her if I you give me my fucking shit, spaceship back because she's both <laughs> and so those are like the personal stakes for both of them right there and that's um yeah so we just kind of tried to recreate like the sort of Star Wars dirty dirty sci-fi thing um but people say shit like dude a bunch because like I, I don't like overly formal language um I don't really like made up slang I want language to be comfortable and inviting i want there to be no barrier between my readers and the world like because once you're willing to accept the confines of the world like you've got spaceships and aliens and 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 like a a deposed child queen on the run from the authorities i feel like when you start like making up stupid ass words like oh yeah that was really pendus which is a real made up slang word from land of the lost <laughs> the 90s the yep. 90s remake yep. who remembers that episode oh yeah yeah the kid from the future oh my god oh yeah uh, um i that that 
puts a wall in between me or the reader and the story because then they have to like navigate this ridiculous language it's one of the main reasons i kind of i had such a hard time with like with game of thrones was i just thought that like everybody's names were just so fucking stupid and they they were all but they weren't like they weren't weird to the point that i could like oh yeah it's a weird name they're all just this fucking close (laughs) that it just sounds it just sounds weird to me it's like you can have a guy who's like who's named like 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 vos solara and i'm like sure vos solara but it's like like eddard stark and i'm like eddard someone's just really bad at wheel of fortune (laughs) that's kind of what it always feels like to me and then and then there was a moment i was like stark york Lannister, Lancaster, and I was like, "Come on, you're not even being subtle. It's just the War of the Roses with magic." You those, flip the, the map upside anything. down, and it's just the UK. Yeah, true. Yeah. There you go. God. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like to try to minimize as much as I can those barriers to, um, I guess, accepting the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just my bugaboo. Maybe it's just me who would rather hear someone say dude than not. No, I don't um, think so. I think it, it, it definitely lends this sort of like, it, it's like putting on a warm, comfy coat. You are it's like in they're already van. speaking English. Right. Right. Why yeah. can't they say dude? Yeah. Or sup or gonna. Why is everyone talking like it's they're 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 the the fucking Archbishop of Canterbury? <laughs> like like conceivably it's probably some alien language you wouldn't understand anyway that's being translated. It translates as sup or bro, okay? It's Yeah. <laughs> right. I love that stuff. I love stuff. And like for me, when I first started writing it, I took a little bit more of a formal tone and I was like, this doesn't feel like something I wrote. Like I, I'm, I'm not comfortable writing in this idiom in this setting. It doesn't feel tonally appropriate to the kind of story that I want it to be. It, and, but it's kind of hard to like get past the, um, the whole. Well, that's how space opera sounds. And so that's when I started taking the approach of, well, this is already one of those, you know, everything goes wrong stories. Why don't I just embrace, like, the snarky Cohen brothers? atmosphere yeah that yeah. it already kind of has and just dive in with the language and i so i rewrote the first issue to accommodate that good that's very cool it's it's good that you looked at it and said no 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 no. Um, do it right yeah yeah i like the sound of this though like, yeah i do yeah, too yeah. i'm super excited yeah I'm, I'm i'm really i'm really excited about it it's the the genesis of a, of a very long or pardon not the genesis it's the um result of a very very long process um, this started as a book called Andrew Jackson in space that me and my artist started developing like f- four years ago. We made it, we'd self pubbed an issue. I really liked it, but like I started, I started to get really uncomfortable with the subject matter over time. Um, cause the point was like, it was never supposed to lionize him. It was supposed to be like this sort of like slow burn criticism of the kind of of the shit that he did, but it wasn't coming across. And I was like, well, there's no way that we can put this book out yeah. in this climate. After Trump got elected, I was like, no, we can't make this fucking book. Yeah. <laughs> this is not going to be read the way I want it to be read. This is going to hurt people in a way that I don't want it to hurt people. Right. And so I got, we'd actually already sold the book. And so I got in touch with my publisher and was like, we need to withdraw this immediately. And we did and spent months retooling it. 
um, refocusing it, um, completely scrapped the original storyline, found what we could of the characters that was valuable, that would be, that would translate over. Um, so I'm glad that it's kind of finally seeing the light of day. Um, I'm immensely proud of this book. Cool. Very cool. It sounds fantastic. And this is coming out through Vault, right? Yeah. And Vault is... Brian, you read a lot of Vault stuff, right? Uh, not a lot, but I've read some. Yeah, the, yeah. they run... Was it one ninety nine an issue? Um, then three ninety nine. Yeah. You're thinking okay, of Alterna. Yeah, I, Alterna, oh, okay. Alterna is the yeah. Alterna okay. does those those the newsprint. newsprint yeah, newsprint, newsprint books. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how they're saving much money. I I don't know. Like to be honest, because if I'm not mistaken, with modern printing techniques, it wouldn't really make that much of a difference. But I'm 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 super on board with cheaper comics. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. I love the idea that you can spend it's like a buck twenty five or something and and try a comic book out, right? Yeah. yeah. I was going to use that as a That's... selling point, but ignore that. Ignore that. Yeah. Read the book anyway. <laughs> now, Vault has done some... I know they've done some reprints of things that have okay. been published previously. That was yeah, the conversation yeah. we had yeah. about Vault. Yeah. Oh, have they? I didn't even know. Yeah, I only are... know their original stuff. Oh, yeah. uh, Heathen, they did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I think there was maybe a Donny Cates book they reprinted recently. Was that a reprint? I thought that was new. Uh... I don't remember. I don't know, because a couple of publishers have been reprinting some of the stuff he did for, like, uh, Heavy Metal. Yeah. I mean, that's not surprising. Yeah. He's on this massive upward trajectory. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. He's fantastic. He's so good. So, speaking of what, is there anything that you are kind of keeping up with that that you like right now, as far as comics? I'm sorry, can you say again? Is there anything that you're keeping up with and reading kind of month to month that you, you really like in comics, like? Oh my god! I have got like thirty-four comics on my pole. <laughs> I'm actually gonna have to pull it up because I can't. I have the worst short-term memory. God, what am I even reading now? I recently started picking up a bunch of DC stuff because I mean I'm in pretty good there, and I figured I should know what's going on in the larger universe. Because like I said, I've never been a tentpole reader, right? Right. Um, but I decided to add Action Comics and Batman and Wonder Woman. Um, I was reading the Brian Azzarello Wonder Woman for a while. Um, and I thought that was fantastic, but I kind of dropped it after that. I love that. Um, I'm so really much. excited about the Terrifics. I haven't been to my comic shop in three weeks, so I don't know if it's out yet, but it's on my poll. Um, everything Young Animals doing, including Eternity Girl. Yes. Um, <laughs> Paper Girls, Saga. Yeah. Um, Twisted Romance is fantastic. I love The Wicked and the Divine, Amazing Spider-Man. I've been loving Renew Your Vows. Um, oh, so, so, so our pull list, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's too much. Squirrel Girl. Yeah. Oh, Grand Design. Um, and I'm super excited about Dan Slot on Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. Because be I've just been a Dan Slot fan uh, for years and years. I thought his Silver Surfer was the be- one of the best comics Marvel has literally ever made. Agreed. <laughs> Alex tried to start I'm, me out I'm on a weird. I'm crushed that it's over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I tried to start her off on the worst Just possible. not the right spot at all. We start, so we started the show. Both of them had lapsed. And I just started reading like five, six years or six or seven years ago now. So a lot of it, like the first few episodes of us during the show was trying to catch each other on, on stuff and them give me old stuff to read that I'd completely missed. And I, I failed. I failed Jen on. You did fail me a little bit. I lapsed for a really long time myself. I was super broke in college, and so I, I could only afford to pick up basically, um, a trade, a couple of trades a year, and so I was really just reading Powers, 
whenever I happened to have twenty dollars, <laughs> which was really rare because I made minimum wage at a Pizza Hut. Oh. It's like we had the same college experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I fell out of reading monthly comics for a very long time, but I built up a really solid trade reading um, habit. But I was always reading those like weird standalone books. So I was reading Powers. I got really into Sandman, um, Why the Last Man, uh, DMZ, stuff like that. Great. And so that that's what I was reading for years and, and rereading and like really, really putting putting those books like sort of like in my in my head in this big way. Um, and I didn't get back into monthlies until about 2012, 2013, when I finally was making enough money that I could at least support a pull of, you know, six, seven titles, mm-hmm. yeah. which is what it stayed at for a very long time. But now I actually have like a good job and I make good money. So I have 35, 34, <laughs> whatever it is, titles on my, on my pull. And I'm like, and again, I've been there in three weeks. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh my God. When I finally yeah. make it. Yeah. Uh, I'm resisting the urge to say, hey, did you, or hey, have you checked out Ice Cream Man? But I won't do that. It's on my poll and I haven't checked okay. it out yet. It is so because good. I haven't been to my store since it dropped. That first issue is very, very good. That's yes, what I've been is. hearing. I, uh, there's, so there's this kid on Twitter. He's like this like 16, 17 year old Israeli kid, Hey Guy Pilevsky, who has like the best fucking taste in comics. And he just like, whatever he's reading, I'm just going to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> he has this like, whole list. Of like, here's the books I'm excited about this year. And I'm like, adding it, adding it, adding it. <laughs> I mean, it must be nice being a teenager having like that much time to keep your ear to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he's like reading, like he like knows everything that's coming out. But like, he's, he's, he's got such like killer taste. That's awesome. Looking forward to when he's like old enough to start putting out his own content. Is it going to be weird if, like, a bunch of people just start following this kid? Oh, a bunch of people already follow this kid. He knows everybody. Good. Good. Jit has her phone right out of the camera. Every comics pro knows Hey Guy. Everybody. Jin's got her phone right out of the camera and is currently looking him up right now and following. You don't need to tattle on me. I know I don't need to, but it's it's a lot more fun if I do. Yeah, the official Squirrel Girl count made a reference to him. <laughs> <laughs> like he's in that deep in the comics community. Nice, no, that's nice. Awesome. But he's a good kid. He's a smart kid, and I'm. Uh, he's re- he's got better taste than I had when I was his age. I, when I was his, like, not that I had bad taste, but when I was a kid, all I was reading was like Uncanny X Men and Spider Girl. Yeah, I was. And Uncanny X Men circa like two thousand and one. Mm. <laughs> I was Maybe like Justice Society. That's what I was into when I was young. I Somehow, earlier, like ninety. Yeah, I'm thinking like ninety nine. This predates me reading comics. So <laughs> I can't say and postdates my start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything else you've got coming up that you can talk about? Though we talked about the Quantum Teens trade, and I'm super excited about that Quantum Teens. I just want to gush about it for a little bit. It's probably my favorite thing I've ever written. Um, I was crushed that it didn't make more of a splash last year because i um i absolutely adore that book it is um, yeah, we yeah. both read it yeah, yeah. oh those so kids good. mean the world to me like with something like like kim and kim like i love i love kim and kim but they're cartoon characters yeah yeah in a big way like they're 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 really stylized but nat and sumesh never were and so they felt real to me in this very big way like like if you're imagine if you're like a mentoring troubled at-risk youth 
Like, that's what my relationship with these characters felt like. And um, we actually went for the trade. We went and we um, created a, a few, like, four more pages of new material. Um, because since it's it's not going to be a thing that we're, we're realistically going to be able to go back to anytime soon. Um, because, again, it just didn't it just didn't move very well. And I just wanted to make sure that they had a happy ending. Yeah. I wanted to make sure those kids were happy. Like, that was important to me. That's adorable. That's, that's good. So, Actually, I, I reread it this week. Um, I read it when it came out, and I read it all together at once on, like, <coughs> Tuesday. And which is how is, it's designed to be read. Yeah. I was going to say. It was really good reading it like that. Like, super good. It was fun month I think to month. But all at once, it is... I mean, it is probably, and this is not just me, like, glad-handing, it is probably my favorite thing of yours today. Yeah. It's my favorite thing of mine today, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I can totally relate. Um, like I said, like, Kim and Kim is the kind of thing that we'll be finding ways to release Kim and Kim for years and years and years. Kim and yeah. Kim is always infinitely renewable and is always going to have an audience. Um, yeah. Its audience is, is, it's not like the largest thing in the world, but like we've got, we've got like a good passionate fan base uh, that quantum teens is never able to build. Um, but I really think it's probably the best thing I've ever written. Yeah. yeah. Alex and I talked about this a little bit earlier today when I was, I, I just read them today because I get so behind. Um, but it, it really feels like when I was reading Kim and Kim, it's like, you know, those characters inside and out backwards and forwards to the end but it felt like when you're when you're reading quantum teens it felt like you were discovering these kids as they were being written and that was yeah so and that's cool. ab that's absolutely true like um i was in the middle of writing issue three and i kind of said to myself they still feel like ciphers to me i hadn't clicked with them and i was three quarters of the way through the book right and i still didn't feel like i like i knew them that as as well as i needed to and what ended up happening was i was i was always writing issue four i just suddenly understood them yeah and that's where the ending came out of was me being like, oh, I, I can see how the, 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 their pain has been drawing them together in, in ways that like were bigger than what I had planned. Um, right. their, their, their internal relationship is the most important thing in the world to either of them. And it took me a really long time to zero in on, on to what exactly that meant. I think that comes through as, and I think that's probably what makes them feel so real. As yeah. opposed to those cartoon characters, right? Yeah. Because it was that process of getting to know them. Kim yeah. and Kim just sort oh, yeah. of emerged fully formed from the head of Zeus. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, it's true. Like, Kim and Kim, um, Kim, and Kim have grown since. But yeah. they're, they're, they're cartoon characters. They're Looney right. Tunes. Yeah. You know, like, they, they, they fit an archetype. You've got, they're more complicated than Looney Tunes. But, like, you've still got basically... <clears throat> You know, the responsible one and the reckless idiot. Yeah. Um, the one who talks in long run-on sentences and the one who thinks about her future. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they've, they've, as much as they've been growing and developing as characters since then, they're always going to be those people. But Nat and Sumesh, if, like, I had, I had a second arc in mind, which would have taken them, which would have just skipped ahead 10 years and would have shown the fallout of what they of what happened, Ooh. which would have turned out that Zero was correct about everything, and that they really were an existential threat to the universe, um, and then would have dealt with their adult selves dealing with that, and they wouldn't have been the same people they were when they were kids, right? Because they're they're not like Kim and Kim. They're not static the way Kim and Kim necessarily have to be static. Yeah. Hopefully someday. 
Hopefully maybe, maybe, maybe the trade will go absolutely bonkers. And <laughs> I, I really hope it does. Um, I hope I hope that people discover this book. Um, I get teary eyed thinking about how much I, I I I love Nat and Sumash. Like they mean absolutely everything to me. They're my favorite characters I've ever created. I don't think I'll ever love any characters the way I love them. Oh, you have favorite children. That's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> They're really good. I, yeah. I do. Everybody does. It's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It's true. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Um, do we want to do we want to wrap it up? Is there so. anything, anything else? else you want to cover? Anything else either of you? Guys? I've got a lot of stuff coming out that I can't really talk about. Yeah, fair enough. That makes sense. Well, maybe down the road if you want to come back and talk some more. Well, always just love hit to me have up. Hit me up later, and uh, you know, we'll see what we can pull off. I have one cool. dumb question. Awesome. Yeah, I have one dumb question. What's your favorite um, comic book sound effect to put in books? I, I hate writing sound effects and i'm <laughs> terrible at it i'm like i like google sound effects <laughs> nice I, I'll, I'll or i'll just be sitting there like because i do all my writing on the subway because it's the only place i can get away from like the internet yeah <clears throat> um so i write in these like hour-long spurts going to and from work and i'll just be sitting there just like going just trying to figure out what the fuck it sounds like. <laughs> but I eventually just write wham. <laughs> nice. <laughs> or kirsch. Because that's like all I got. I'm just like, it's, it's, it's the one area where I, I'm, always, I'm always telling my letterers, if you could think of something better, I don't care. Just put it in. <laughs> that's great. Nice. Well, if we're asking silly questions. Uh-oh. Oh, man. I love silly questions. I could do this all day. All right. Fuller House, Matt or Steve? <laughs> Steve. Okay. <laughs> That's not even a question. I like Matt. I think Matt's great. But like Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, when he first appeared, Steve's last name was Peters. I like Full House way too much. Yeah, I like so, I so grew up someone with else it. at the table. It was the thing that was always on in the background when I needed something on in the background because it was always on TV somewhere. So. I have a whole rant about why I think Full House has been enduring as it is. Um, but I think I think that of the, the saccharine family sitcom era, it is by far the best exemplar of its genre. And it's an incredibly intelligent show in very subtle ways that most people don't think about. Yeah, that's probably yeah. a fair assessment. Brian, do you have a ridiculous question? I do not have a ridiculous question. Aww, <laughs> Make one up. Oh, come on. Good lord. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I can just keep going with more Fuller House questions. I'm okay with that. <laughs> How long until the Beach Boys show up, do you think? <laughs> I'm not sure if we're going to have them, but we've already had the new kids, and I think we'll see them more than once. That would make sense. Are you, are you caught up on it? Yeah. Okay. I actually recently concluded in 11 season Full House, Fuller House of Palooza. Oh my god! So, okay, so here we go. It <laughs> was awesome. Nice. How jacked up One was your brain after that? Intelligent experience <laughs> of my life. Nice. All right, here's my silly question: If you could resurrect another sitcom or TV show from the '80s, what would it be? I'm gonna go with Out of This World. Oh, nice. Okay. Anybody remember Out of This World? Yeah, that's that. Wow. I haven't thought about that in like forever. Go watch the theme song and just holy crap! Watch just you'll get a massive head rush. (laughs) Zoom into your head like you're jacked into the fucking matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. 
It really is that intense. If you haven't thought about it in 25 fucking years, yeah, more, almost 30 years, yeah. it's, you're just going to be like, holy crap, because you'll remember Ooh. every word of that fucking theme song. It's immediately what we're going to do. Yeah, we're going to do that as soon as... Report as soon back. As yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. But right. I would love to do that because I've always... I, I, lo- I missed... There was this weird era where we just had these these goofy sci-fi sitcoms mm-hmm. yeah and and they all crashed and burned because none of them were any good yeah but like i want more of that and i it's one of the reasons why i love the good place is because it's a high concept sitcom and we don't have those anymore all right well oh, we're doing yeah. another hour now on the good place <laughs> oh the good place oh. best show so, is best Brian, it's have you watched perfect. Have, yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's perfect yes. like i used to not think anything could i i, I pardon I used to believe I could never love anything more than I loved Scrubs. And then I thought that I could never love anything more than I loved Community. Yeah. And, and now I've got the good place. Now you've got yeah. the good place. And I did graduate work in ethics. So like, <laughs> <laughs> like I did ethics and moral theology in graduate school. So like I am so like they're talking about like Kant and Kierkegaard and shit, and I'm like I'm like eating this up. <laughs> That's awesome. So you're like, yes, Cheedy, yes. I love Cheedy. Cheedy is great. By far the best character. I, yeah. I'm pretty fond of Eleanor too. I, I like Eleanor, Eleanor but true. but I identify too much with Eleanor as the problem, <laughs> yeah. and I want to be I more like Cheedy. I identify a lot with Cheedy, but I think my favorite character is Janet. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, All right, you win. Bad Janet. Yes. Bad. What's up, you stupid dink? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I mean, there's not anything about the show I don't like. Yeah. <sighs> I, I'm like trying to think of something I, of like an episode or a character. The only the only thing I don't like is we didn't get a full season of the version of the neighborhood where Eleanor and Tahani were soulmates. Oh, yeah. yes. I wouldn't pay yes. good money to watch them like destroy each other. Oh God, yes. <laughs> that was what you do. Epic. You pitch the Good Place season two and a half as a comic. <laughs> And do a whole run on just that relationship. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, who could I talk to about this? <laughs> who, do who do I know who could who could get this? Li- I could. I'm gonna email IDW tonight. <laughs> Not even. Ju- oh wait, no, because that's ABC, isn't it? That's yeah. oh yeah, oh, yeah, it is. yeah. That'd be a Marvel book. But I mean, IDW is doing Star Wars. True. Yeah, that's true. You never know. Hmm. hmm. You never know. Someday. Yes. Someday. Yes. All right. right. Well, thank you for spending the last hour with us. Indeed. Thank you for having me. This Pretty was much, delightful. Yeah. Super and, fun. Uh, we come, will... come back anytime. Yeah. Well, harass Yeah, you I'm just never going to leave now. Oh. We have like a couch I can crash on. I do. It's, it's, right, it's there. right right out of frame. <laughs> yeah. You got this. See, I, I don't exist outside of the frame. <laughs> uh, so that's not going to help me. Nah. Well, we can we can put the laptop on the couch. Is that yeah. It's true. Just, just grab an Apple TV and plug it into a monitor that you like sit on the couch. And we can monitor my laptop over to it. That's great. You got this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. yeah, I think that's it. Cool. All right, thank you so much. I had a good thank time. Thank you. Yep. Yeah, we did too. Thank you. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. 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 And now they've heard it. They will now will have liked it. <laughs> did you like it? Did you, we liked it. Did you like it? Because it was fun.
It actually was. It, yeah. It's very cool. So uh, thanks again to Magdalene Visaggio Thank for joining you. us. Heck yeah. And so coming out this Wednesday is Justice League of America slash Doom Patrol number one, which is the first part of Milk Wars. Yeah. And has the first part of Magdalene Visaggio's Eternity Girl back up. Yes. Heck yeah. And that's going to run all through Milk Wars this month in JLA Doom Patrol and Wonder Woman Shade, Shade the, Changing the Changing Girl, Girl. and Batman... Mother Panic and Cave Carson or Swamp Thing. Cave Carson has a cybernetic eye, and then Doom Patrol. That's those are the four right. parts right. of Eternity Girl. Right. There will be one more issue that finishes Milk Wars. That is Doom Patrol slash JLA number one, which yeah. won't confuse anybody. No, of course no. not. Um. So check that out. Also, I think it's this week. It might be next week. Is Transformers versus Visionaries number two? Number two, right? And I believe that first issue got a second printing. So you should be able to find it. Uh, you have, on February 14th, Quantum Teens Are Go is out in trade, which is a very, very good book. It's a very good book. Yeah, Go buy it. Support that book. Hopefully sometime in the future we can get more. And the best way for that to happen is if people buy it. Put it into the universe. Go tell your comic <laughs> shop now that you want it then. Yes. Yeah. Brian and I are both going to Ahead do that. Ahead of time. Yeah, you got to tell them ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and then Vagrant Queen will be out in May. We haven't even seen those solicitations yet. No, but that sounded really cool. Yeah, Yeah, it did. I'm excited. Very excited. Yeah. Uh, anything else that I'm forgetting? Yet. I don't think so. Cool. Our theme music is the Spontaneous Self-Reunion by the Fish Who Saved the Planet. We'd like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. We're available on, you know what, I'm just going to say whatever podcatcher you use. If we're not there, let us know. We'll find a way to get there if we can. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoyed our interview today and want to see more stuff like that, go rate and review us on iTunes. Share us with friends. Help us get out there more. The more you share us and the more people listen and rate and review, the easier it is for us to get more guests to come on the show it's true that's how help it works. us help you that's right uh, help us help ourselves whichever you know <laughs> you have the power you get the power. no i'm not doing that okay <laughs> uh or you can listen to us on our website at panelologypodcast.com always i'm alex i'm jenna and i'm brian go buy some comics <laughs> <laughs>